Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Hey, it's me again. Well, this morning we have a special uh, treat uh, for you. I want to introduce, uh, most people know Philip Tuttle, um, but he is going to be giving the word this morning. And I, I wanted to introduce you, though, just because I haven't actually officially introduced him. Uh, Phil is married to Kaylin, if you know Kaylin. And uh, Phil has recently just come on staff at Grace Capital Church, and we're super excited about that. Uh, He's going to share a little bit of his story uh, with you today, but I wanted to introduce you to him. Phil not only um, works here at the church, but he has other hats that he wears. When, when people see a talented young man, they say, how do I get him to work for our organization? And uh, he works for several organizations. He works for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and he's responsible for getting campus ministries started in southern New Hampshire and has an international touch as well for his roles and responsibilities. He also works for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association as a New Hampshire rep for our area, and he's a passionate guy who has, who loves Jesus, and uh, I'm so glad that he's willing to come and work with us to bring Jesus to this place, to allow the Holy Spirit to move freely. Would you give a big welcome to Philip Tuttle? Awesome, awesome, awesome. How's everyone doing this morning? Doing well, doing well, doing well. Well, it is an absolute honor to be here this morning. Uh, I just love Pastor Mark and Audra and just for the opportunity. So I just want to thank you so much. Uh, And I'm honored to serve alongside them. I would describe Pastor Mark and Audra as, uh, they are what I like to call as do the right thing leaders. Right? So this isn't do what people like leaders. It's do what, do the right thing leaders. Uh, Which means they're more concerned about what God wants to do than what people care to say about. So I just want to thank you and just want to honor both of you for that. So we just thank you guys. Man, so I just got to let you know real quick. So my wife is about like less than two weeks till she's due. So if she gives me the signal at some point in this service, I'm going to run out the doors and it's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. All right. So let's get in the word. I don't have a lot of time this morning. So we're going to dive in the word to the book of Jeremiah. If you have your Bibles, if you have your phone Bibles, pull them on out. The book of Jeremiah. If there were any title to this message today, it would be discovering your purpose discovering your purpose. The book of Jeremiah, the first chapter, and we're going to start in verse four. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations, but I protested. Oh no, Lord God. Look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the word that you're about to bring us. I ask that every word um, from my mouth would be directly from the heart of God, that it would touch every heart, it would touch every mind uh, in this place. God, I thank you uh, for salvations today. I thank you for healings today. I thank you for baptisms today. We are in awe of who you are. And we all said in Jesus' name, amen. Touch your neighbor real quick and ask him, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Man. God has a good plan this morning. God has a good plan this morning. Let me ask you, has anyone ever been bored in church? I I mean, I'll I'll put my hand up first. I've been bored in church. That's okay. I'm not going to say like this church. I'm just saying like church in general. I grew up in the church. So I I, I discovered that being bored in the church kind of comes through through two reasons, right? 
So the first reason is either there is a lack of relationship, meaning you don't really know God. You could even be saved and maybe not really have a relationship with God. So you hear a pastor speak and teach over and over and over, but because of the lack of relationship, there's a disconnect here. The other one is that there may be a lack of action, right? So in the natural, you think of this. If you eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, but never go exercise, you become fat, lazy, and bored. So in the spirit, as a Christian, you can have the same thing happen to you. You can have the same thing. You can come to church every single week and never go exercise your faith. And because you never exercise your faith, you become fat, lazy, and bored as a Christian. Come on. I'm only saying this because that was me. I'm I'm not saying that to condemn anyone. I'm saying because that was me. I have uh, two incredible parents. My dad's here this morning. Uh, Yeah, you can give it up for my dad. My dad's awesome. (laughs) I have two incredible incredible parents who, who every church I went to, they were always elders or leaders. And I just remember as a young person, my dad, wow, come on. So my dad uh, would speak when I was young and I got to watch him do it. And now I get to do it. <laughs> it's incredible. Man. So I grew up in the church. Um, my parents were two, two people, and they still are, but they were so hungry for the things of God. They were just hungry. We would go to all kinds of conferences and different things. And one of the big ones that, that I went to, and I went to my, with it with my mom and my brother, my little brother and my mom, went with my, mo- with, with my mom to a prophetic conference at the old Faith Christian Center, which I'm sure some of you know about or maybe even attended. During this prophetic conference, there were breakout sessions. And in these breakout sessions, pastors and leaders and just prophetic people gave words over your life. And at 10 years old, I received this word. And this word said, Phil, God has called you to be a prophet to the nations. He's called you to be a voice to the nations. And at 10 years old, when you receive a word like that, you say, oh, cool. That's cool. I'm 10. Like, what the heck do I do with that? What do I do with this? I, don't, I just don't know. But I grew up in what I would call a, a Christian bubble. A Christian bubble. So all my friends were Christians. My parents were Christians. Their friends were Christians. I went to Christian school. It was just like I was surrounded by Christians on every single side. When I was 16 is when I would say my Christian bubble popped. It popped. I, I went off to prep school up at uh, Brewster Academy in Wolfboro, New Hampshire. I actually got uh, a scholarship to go play soccer there. I happened to be pretty good at, at soccer. So I went up there and I played. And it was the first time in my life where I had to stand on my relationship with God. And I realized very quickly that I had no relationship with Jesus. None whatsoever. That I was literally, my whole life, I had been going through the motions and I had missed it. I had missed Jesus. I quickly fell into what the world would say is okay for a 16, 17, year, 18-year-old boy. And now some of you right now have kids that are, that are struggling with this, that are going through this. Some of you sitting here right now might be saying, hey, I'm going through this right now. Whether it's the partying, the drinking, the girls, whatever it is, that's what I fell into very, very quickly. However, in my life, I had something that I could hide behind, and it was success. It was a mask of success. So I did well in school. I I did very well as an athlete. 
actually got recruited to go play soccer at, at the University of Notre Dame. And so I, I, I took that. I took that. But how many of you know that whatever you were doing in high school, once you go to college, it's just escalated because the environment is just bigger and there's less and less supervision. When I was 19, I was going into my sophomore year in high school, and I had been dating this girl at, at this, this period of time in my life. <clears throat> I remember I got a phone call from her, and she said, Phil, I'm, I'm pregnant. So at 19 years old, I was in college. I was, I was living my life, doing whatever the heck I wanted to do, and my girlfriend is pregnant. We decided to, to have an abortion. And let me tell you something. There's something that happens to a man when you have an abortion. This is what happens. Emotionally, you shut down because you can't handle what you just did. Because God has actually called you to be a provider and a protector, and you just said no to your purpose. And so at 19, that's where I was. The problem is, because I thought church was boring, I thought God was boring. So I thought God couldn't be the answer. God couldn't be the answer. And so I didn't run to God. I internalized everything. I didn't tell anyone. And about a year later, my girlfriend called me again and said she was pregnant for the second time. And we ended up having a second abortion. I continued on with this, and I lived with it and internalized everything. When I was 23 years old, this is when I would say the enemy went too far in my life. A friend of mine, his name was Mike. Mike came to me and he called me at 12 o'clock at night. At 12 o'clock at night, it's a midweek night, and said, Phil, I have to come see you right now. I said, okay, like, come on over. And Mike came over until about 3 o'clock in the morning. Mike had told me how he had become an atheist. And he wasn't just an atheist, but he was passionate. And for three hours, he told me why God was not real. He left, and about 3.30 in the morning, I got on my knees and I prayed. In, in, in college, it was my last semester, I was living in a condo, it was in the basement of this condo, and I got on my knees and I prayed. And I said, God, if you're real, you have to come find me. Because I'm either going to spend the rest of my life telling people you do exist or you don't. But I'm done playing church. I'm done just thinking you're real, because a lot of people don't think you are. What happened over the course of the next three months is that I began to study the word like I had never done before. I started reading books from atheists, from Christians, from everyone across the board. I said, I'm going to find out if God's real or not. And this amazing thing started to happen, that as I began to pray and study the word, my life began to change. I didn't want to do what I was doing before, all the parties and all that kind of stuff. For some reason, there was something in me that said, I don't want that. And I didn't know what it was. But I began to discover this story as I read the word of God. I began to read the story about how God had this incredible plan for my life. That he wanted me to have abundant life. He wanted me to be in relationship with him. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I began to see this thread throughout the Bible as I began to read it from front to back. I also discovered that because of my sin, there was a break in relationship with God. That my sin actually was separating me from God. And the word tells us that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I had God on one side, which, say, which he's saying, I want to give you abundant life. 
And on the other side, my sin was leading to death. And I knew it. Because I felt dead. But I also began to discover the other side of the story. I also began to read the Gospels and read about this man, Jesus. Read about this man, Jesus. It says that he came and died on a cross for our sins so that we don't have to die the death that we deserve, but we get to live the life that he deserved. That's incredible. It's this great exchange on the cross. It says he died once for all. Once for all, that he came and paid the price for my sin. I began to discover that my sin was not greater than his sacrifice. Come on. It wasn't bigger. My sin, my abortion experiences were not greater than his sacrifice on the cross. Actually, if you put the sin of everyone in this place, even the hidden sin in every heart in this place, right in this tank, it wouldn't outweigh what he did on the cross. It wouldn't outweigh it. It's not even possible. I remember getting on my knees over the course of this three months, and there was a night where I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I said, God, I believe you. I believe you're real. I don't know everything yet, and that's okay, but I love you, and you're changing my life drastically right now. God, in the course of this, began to give me my heart's desire. My heart's desire was always to play professional soccer. In 2011, I was, I was drafted into the MLS, and I got to play professional soccer for about three years. When, I, when that happened, and my life drastically shifted, it no longer became about me, and it no longer became about soccer. I began to ask God, what is my purpose? What is my purpose in this? And he said, Phil, I want you to pastor every team you're on. He said, I want you to tell them what I just told you. The story you just discovered, I want you to tell them. So over three years, I led prayer groups. I led pre-game prayers. I led Bible studies with my team. And I told anyone who would listen about Jesus. I was brand new to the faith. I didn't know anything, but I knew Jesus. And I preached Jesus. And not everyone liked it. And I wasn't perfect. But he had a plan and a purpose for sending me to that field. If you guys want to turn back to that verse real quick. It's Jeremiah 1, 4 through 6. I'm going to read it one more time. The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. But I protested, oh no, Lord God. Look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. This man, Jeremiah, it's estimated that he was somewhere between 17 and 25 years old when he received this word. Isn't that so like us? When God says, I have a plan and purpose for you, and we list all our weaknesses as to why we can't do it, as if it actually depended on our strength. As if. That you accomplishing God's plan and purpose for your life has never been about your strength. It has been about accomplishing it through his strength. That when his spirit comes upon you and lives within you, he's the one that actually empowers you to live this life out. It was never meant to be done alone. Man. I think about the different tools that are needed to actually discover God's plan and purpose for your life. There's a lot of tools, and if you guys want to put those up real quick, 
The first one is, is obvious, right? So we talk about reading the word. Reading the word. The word is filled with purposes for Christians. Matthew 28, Mark 16, talk about go into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, but I can't speak. God didn't say, oh, okay, never, okay, never mind. Not you then. That's not what he said. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Making disciples of all nations. Another portion of scripture says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, drive out demons. He said that as he sent out the 70 into the community. He said that as he sent out the 12, his 12 disciples, just go, just go, just go and preach what I told you. He didn't ask if you could speak. He didn't ask if you were bold because he can make you bold. He can teach you how to speak. And that's exactly what he does with this man, Jeremiah, that he's a young man. He's a youth. Prophets at this time were God's mouthpiece to a nation. Guys, this wasn't just like, hey, get up on Sunday and speak. This is like the podium in Washington. Get up and you're going to release a word to the nation. And he was scared. He said, I, I, don't, I, I can't do that. I'm only, I'm too young. I'm too young. So the word is an incredible way. The second way is by asking God. God has this incredible way of speaking to us. God can speak to us in almost any situation. For real, almost any situation. He can speak through pastors. He can speak through leaders. I got saved through an atheist. For real. An atheist led me to Jesus. Not a Christian, not a pastor. An atheist actually posed such a question in my heart that I had to find out. So if you think God can't use you, oh my goodness, God's using atheists right now, so so stop it. I love this. This is like what what God says. So this, in in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. God basically says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, shut up. Shut up. I don't want to hear your excuses because I called you. I actually created you. I formed you. Before you were even born, I set you apart. That's incredible. And he says the same thing to every single one of us right here, right now. I formed you before you were born. I called you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. He's called you and you and you. He's called you. He's already set you apart, has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the best part is that it does not depend upon you. All it depends upon you is saying, yes, 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 I'll do it. And then God empowers you to actually go out and do it. That's absolutely incredible. This last piece, identify your enemies. Identify your enemies. In my life, there were two huge areas where the enemy attacked me. Obviously, one is in the area of immorality. Obviously. But that's just so funny. Because the message that my wife and I carry is a message of purity. We stand on a message of purity for youth and young adults across this nation, that we would stand for purity, that we're not going to just give in to what the world says is okay. I'm actually going to stand. No wonder he was trying to soil my testimony. No wonder he was trying to say, oh, you couldn't possibly give that message. Look what you've done. No wonder. The other area was, if you knew me as a young person, 
you would know that I was very quiet, very, very quiet. Like, didn't say much. Yet. My, my aunt's shaking her head right now. Uh, <laughs> very, very quiet. I didn't say much. I actually just let my success or academics or sports speak through me. That's kind of how I would speak. But I wouldn't say that much. That's so interesting because God's call and purpose upon my life was to be a voice to the nations. Come on. Think about your life right now. Think about the areas where the enemy has said, I'm going to get you right here. I'm going to get you in this place. Because this, this man, Jeremiah, said, I can't speak. God, I can't give a message on purity. Do you know what I've done? He said, yeah, I'm going to use it, actually. Yeah, what the enemy meant for evil, I'm going to use for good. Yeah, oh, oh, you're quiet? Oh, you're a quiet kid? Okay, good. I'm going to empower you to speak. I'm actually going to empower you to do this. I didn't, like, sign up. Hey, put me on stage. This is awesome. God just said, that's where I need you. That's where you're going to have the most impact. Some of us right now are discovering your purpose. You're identifying those areas. Man, the enemy has hit me hard right there. That's where he comes after me. The best part about it is that you flip it and ask God, what is your purpose in this? If the worship team wants to come back up. I often think the enemy discovers God's purpose for you before you discover God's purpose for you. That's why he attacks you the way he does. Man, if the people of God actually discovered who they were and realized that we were not called to participate in deeds of darkness, but to destroy the deeds of darkness, what would the church look like? What would it look like? What would my life look like? What would your life look like? That I'm actually called as a child of God. I was formed with a plan, with a purpose. Man, my testimony, all the pain and all the hurt of my past, when I came to Jesus, is when he took away the guilt. He took away the shame. In 2012, I came to this church for the first time. That summer, I went to a youth camp. At this youth camp, I was a leader. Shockingly, I know. I was a leader. And this was, a, this was a youth camp. It was for all the kids. And this pastor, she started to speak about how her daughter had had an abortion. <laughs> and five years ago, I had had my first abortion. And I didn't tell anyone. And God said, go tell her what you did. Go tell her what you did. And I was like, no, God, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to tell anybody. I'm good. I walked up to this woman. I waited for everyone to exit the sanctuary, and I came up front, and I sat with her. And over the course of an hour, I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And I think I talked for maybe three minutes. And I just told her what I had done. And at the end of my time with her, she looked me square in the face and said, Phil, you're forgiven. I'm forgiven? Wait, what do you mean? She said, you're forgiven. I forgive you. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't have been happier after I left that sanctuary that night. I felt so free. 
I felt like everything just, just lifted off of me. All the pain and the hurt of my past. It says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And I experienced that that night when I told this woman who I had never met before what I had done because God knew she would understand. God knew she wasn't going to judge me for what I had done. And he said, go talk to her. The first time I was able to preach this message and share my testimony in the church, I was up in Maine. At the end of service, this woman came up to me she said she was 65 years old. She said, when I was 14 years old, I had an abortion. And I have never told anybody. How long are you going to live with it? Because I'm telling you, when you say yes to Jesus, he takes away your guilt, your shame, your embarrassment. But he also wants you to be free. He wants you to be healed. This morning, I'm going to give you an an invitation to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never met him, if you've never come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and want to meet him and want him to turn your life around and you want to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand right now. want you to say this prayer with me. We're all going to say it together. Dear Jesus, I recognize my sin and I repent right now. I give my life to you. I declare that you are Savior and Lord of my life. I say today there is no turning back. In Jesus' name. Amen. You never know what is on the other side of your yes. Man, when you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes, in 2013, God said, Phil, this is your last season playing soccer. I said, well, what am I supposed to do? He said, quit, and then I'll tell you. Oh, awesome. That sounds great. Great plan, God. In 2014 was when I first stepped out into full-time ministry in in the sense we would see it as. And ever since then, it has been an adventure. And it's been the best decision I have ever made. At the end of service today, we're going to have our prayer team come up. And if you feel like you just want to talk to someone or meet with someone, we want you to come forward and do that. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time today, there's a connect card in the seat back pockets. We want you to fill that out and let us know so we can celebrate with you. We can celebrate with you. This morning, that is not a jacuzzi. This morning, this is for baptisms. This is for baptisms. As Pastor Mark said, this is a believer's baptism. So this is a representation of what has already happened in the spirit. When you said yes to Jesus, it means you're saying no to your life and receiving his life so that he can live through you. And this morning, that's what this baptism tank is for. It's a representation to the body. You're saying that heaven and hell, you should know that I'm his. That I'm his. I want the world to know. So if you signed up for baptisms, 
You guys can head out the back door there right now and get ready. If you say, I'm here and I got saved and I've never been baptized or you've never been baptized in general, but want to today, there's t-shirts, there's shorts, there's towels, there's everything you need right out those back doors right there. If you want to get baptized today, you guys can head right out that door. Everyone else, if you just want to stand up. We're going to celebrate together. This morning, seven people just gave their life to Jesus Christ. Come on. That's so cool. That is so cool. Man, the fact that God would use me to do anything is incredible. And I think often we should have that approach toward God. Be like, man, you're going to use me? I just say yes. Whatever it is. So Pastor Mark and Audra going to lead us off. And Pastor Richie, it's all yours, brother. Let's give the Lord a good clap of praise. Let's continue to celebrate God's salvation and love in this place. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 